10? Mm, total 10 grandkids. Oh, not 10 grandsons and we have five, and we have three, three of eight, eight, one, nine. Oh, nine. Yeah. Ella. So ten. Ten Eleven. total. Mm-hmm. No, ten. Okay. Nine. <laughs> <laughs> Eleven. Well, we kids. can't do math. We're not, <laughs> definitely not math-minded in this family. <laughs> Eleven grandkids. No, ten. Ten. <laughs> <laughs> Last season, I had one of my best friends, Shauna, join me on the podcast when we were both pregnant for the first time. We discussed many of the mental, emotional, and physical challenges that accompany pregnancy. Recently, nine months after the birth of my son, I sat down with my mom and two sisters to discuss the postpartum period. This is a unique time of life that presents many emotional and mental challenges, which we address on this episode. My name is Katie Houston Davies, and this is Mental Illness and Me. For this episode of the podcast, we decided to do something a little different, and I invited my sisters and my mom to come and discuss the postpartum journey and what it's like mentally, emotionally, and physically. And this is especially important as my little sister is about ready to give birth for the first time. I am just recently out of the postpartum period or maybe still in it, depending on your definition of it, having just had my son nine months ago, and my sister has three kids. The last time my mom went through postpartum was when the one who's having a baby (laughs) was born, and that was 27 years ago. Yep, 27 years ago. So we're all in different phases, but our mom has been with us through our own postpartum periods. We have a lot we could talk about, a lot to say. So before we start, I just want each of you to share with our audience a little bit about you and your background. So let's start with you, Anna. My name is Anna. I'm the youngest sister. I am having my first baby in June. It's a boy. We're naming him Oliver. And I'm also a pediatric occupational therapist. I'm Christina. I am a boy mom of three. And I'm a ballroom dance instructor and a fitness instructor, and I'm also a health coach. I am the mom of all three of these girls and also a son who is the oldest uh, of the four. And um, I, by trade, I'm no longer working as a registered nurse, but that's um, what I did for many years and worked in many capacities, uh, several hospitals, uh, different types of nursing because I just really enjoy the challenge and um, I really enjoy being a mom and I now I'm enjoying very much being the grandmother too. Um, We will have nine grandsons and one granddaughter (laughs) after Anna's baby is born. You know they always you would always hear that being a grandparent is even more fun than being a parent and I don't know that I, I agree totally with that because both are really, really wonderful to me. I've, I loved raising kids and now I love, love, love being a grandparent. But the one thing I do like about being a grandparent is that all I get to focus on is the love and I don't have to worry about the discipline. <laughs> I can leave that to my children. And so I can be the, the nice granna. Lucky. Yeah. Lucky granna. <laughs> the lucky granna, that's right. And I'm Katie. I am the host of this podcast. My background is in education. I was a choir teacher for 13 years before having my first baby. I'm also a stepmom to four boys. So my husband and I have five boys between us. And I now have a piano studio. And I 
co-direct a show choir in the community where I live. So we're going to have Anna act as interviewer since she is the one who is entering this period of life soonest. Okay, so my first question for you guys is, in one or two words, tell me what the best part of your personal postpartum journey was, and then we'll go to the worst part. So let's start with the best part. Well, in two words, the baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the baby that's yeah. the most wonderful. Every that's single true. postpartum journey, it, the wonderful part is the baby. Um, I don't know if I can put it into one or two words, but I would say that um, the best part is just that you learn about a whole new kind of love that you can have that exists that never existed before. For me, I would say that realizing that this little child just loves you so unconditionally, that was one of the most amazing parts of the postpartum period for me. It felt like I didn't even do anything to deserve it. He just naturally loved me and that was so humbling for me. So now let's go to the worst part. Let's start with mom. I struggled a lot with, I felt uh, dizzy and you know, I had some um, physical uh, challenges postpartum that uh, I just, I think I, I had low blood pressure especially during my pregnancies and postpartum. And I just really had a difficult time getting that regulated. And so um, I, you know, feel like I was gonna pass out and, you know, I kind of had this feeling of like lightheadedness and unreality that was really hard and sometimes interfered with my daily tasks and being able to take care of my baby and nurse and all of those things. I think for me, it was trying to figure out my new place in the world. I didn't have my baby until I was 37, almost 38 years old, and I had worked as a teacher for 13 years, and it was difficult for me to figure out what new normal was. So there were just a lot of adjustments because your whole world changes and turns upside down, and so everything you've ever known before that was comfortable doesn't exist anymore and you're learning like a whole new language and a whole new way to live and I felt like I didn't know who I was anymore so that was tricky. Yeah that was partly what I was gonna say was just feeling not like myself that was the hardest part was it was like I felt it was almost like out of body in a, in a yeah. way yes. but um, I also would say that I just felt very lonely and it was just like your journey is your own journey and it's so different from everybody else's and while everyone that has a baby goes through the postpartum journey it's not the same and so you do feel alone because you can't describe it even if you have people there for you or you have your spouse or you have your mom helping you like emotionally sometimes you do feel a little bit alone because you don't feel like anyone could a hundred percent understand you without being in your own body. Right, yeah. exactly. So going along with that, what coping strategies did you find that helped you the most mentally? I tried my best to get outside a yeah. lot, like go on walks, it, they were slow. It was like, you know, I would just slowly walk around the block with the stroller. Um, also visitors, like having family come over and visit and having like my mom there to just hang out with me, just having people there around me helped me so much mentally because like 
inside I would feel alone, but then having people with me or getting outside just like helped me feel more like myself. I actually, that's exactly what I was going to say. With each pregnancy, um, I had more children, of course, so it wasn't as easy to get out and exercise. Uh, but I did do that and it just getting out in nature and just you know for a walk or just even a few minutes um, I actually did not have my mom with any of my pregnancies she passed away when I was 22 and so I did have that feeling of loneliness uh, that Christina in, in a very real sense that many people don't experience I think just because they usually have their moms, or often. So I did rely on my friends, and fortunately I had really, really good friends that were very supportive and that, you know, come over and drop things off on my doorstep, or they, you know, hold the baby for me while I um, would do some tasks or maybe run an errand, and that was really important, that um, friendship and sisterhood. Yeah, I think anything that helped to normalize the postpartum experience was really good for me, like talking about it with other women and recognizing that I wasn't alone. I think I didn't know how complicated it would be emotionally and physically. And when I would hear that other women experienced the same thing, it really helped. And also having my mom there to do laundry and to hold the baby while I took a nap. Sleep deprivation is real and it, it takes a huge toll on you especially after your body's been through such a physical um, trauma, really. And um, so getting, being able to, to sleep a little bit, that made a huge difference. So I was really lucky. So kind of going along with the best parts of postpartum, what are some things that maybe surprised you or brought you joy during this time? Maybe things that you didn't expect. I will say that I am, if you know me, you know I love my sleep. I. I like to sleep in, I like to get eight hours of sleep, and I honestly love the newborn stage. And I was surprised by the fact that I didn't mind waking up with my baby. Like, he would wake up in the middle of the night and I was like, oh yay, I get to see you again and I get to hold you and feed you and I just didn't mind it at all and that surprised me. but. Also, it was like kind of a blessing because I think I was really nervous about that, like the sleep deprivation and oh no, how am I going to handle this? But, and granted, my baby wasn't a horrible sleeper. He didn't wake up tons and tons in the night. None of my babies did. But in the beginning stages, when they do wake up more often, I surprised myself in that it, it didn't bother me as much. That's cute. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I found surprising and yet didn't was that with each successive child, you know, and you learn this in the postpartum period after you are actually holding and looking at your child, you know, you do wonder, am I really going to have enough love for all of these kids? And I, you know, I was, like I said, surprised and yet not surprised that you have more than enough love for each child and it's a new experience with each one. Uh, it, nothing seemed humdrum or, oh no, I've got to do this again or, oh, this is so boring. And I, it was just like, it was a wonderful adventure getting to know each, you know, beautiful child. I agree with that. Something that a friend told me, she had just barely given birth at an older age. Her kids were 10 and 12 years old and they had a surprise pregnancy and she had a baby 
at the same time as I did. And we were the same age. And she, she just said, give it two weeks. I just want you to remember that you need to give yourself two weeks to start feeling a little bit more normal and to feel in the routine and just don't panic. Don't freak out. Give yourself two weeks to get adjusted. And it really was true that in the, those first two weeks, it feels very surreal. Like Christina was saying out of body and out of body. And there's, there's a lot of pain depending. I mean, if you have C-section or a vaginal delivery, there's often a lot of recovery physically as well. But after two weeks, things do normalize. Like you sometimes feel early on, like, how am I going to do this? This is, this is daunting. This is overwhelming, but you get into a routine. Life does move forward and it becomes doable, even though it feels like it won't be mm -hmm. at first. So what are the best ways that, um, if you were to give advice to a spouse that's about to go through this for the first time, like, for example, my husband, <laughs> what advice would you give them to support a wife during this time? Be patient, <laughs> be kind, be loving. Yeah, I would say just in a more specific sense, we made a deal, we set expectations beforehand. So we said the expectation is when the baby's born, if he wakes up at night, you're waking up with me. Like we're doing this together. So we just said, Jer will get the baby up when he cries, he'll change his diaper, he'll give him to me, I'll feed him on one side, he'll swaddle him, I'll feed him on the other side, and then he'll put him back to bed. And then that way it feels like we're a team and we're doing it together. And whatever it is, I mean, that was one specific thing that we, that we said, but I think talking about it beforehand and setting expectations, like, this is what I expect from you, or this is what I'm hoping that I can get from you in like support wise, especially I feel with husbands, I think sometimes they really do need you to lay it out for them. Like I'm going to need this. Yeah. Or when you feel that you need something after you have your baby, you need to say it in the words that they will understand. Like I'm feeling really alone and I need you to sit with me right now or whatever it is. And you have a great partner. And I think if you say that to him, he will, he'll be more than happy to do it. He just, they just need to know. I think just understanding and recognizing the hormones and the emotions that are there and not taking things personally uh -huh. and being um, aware that there, there will be a little bit of instability there emotionally <laughs> and, and that that's, that that's okay. Well, I agree with everything that Christina and Katie have said. But one thing I will add is that the it, sleep deprivation, the effect that it can have on your ability to function well and normally is, is very, very real. And it is really important that your husband is with you, like Christina said, you know, and is helping you uh, you know, stepping in to make it possible for you to get some sleep. Mm -hmm. Because and if you have other children as well, that even compounds it. And so to work as a team uh, to make sure that you can get some rest so that you can really take care of the baby and just function. That feeling of unreality that we were talking about, I mean, sleep deprivation also really <laughs> adds to that right brain fog brain yeah, fog is right. so real and that was something that was that shocked me 
is how I wasn't firing on all cylinders. Like I just, I would sleep through meetings and blow off things that I would never normally do. It was very strange. I had a nurse at one of my six week postpartum appointment. She said, are you able to get four hour stretches of sleep? And I said, yeah, I think I am. She said, if you're not getting four hour stretches of sleep, that will affect your mental health. Like it, you'll start feeling depressed. You'll start feeling anxious. And so that's just kind of like a fact to remember is if you're not getting four hour stretches of sleep, you might need to like work together to take turns or things like that so that you guys can both be getting at least four hour stretches at night. Yeah, to prioritize that. Yeah. That's a good thing to remember. So I think we'll just keep going on this advice for people to help. What about somebody that's more of a friend? What are helpful things, like maybe just logistical things? Well, I think we agree perhaps that you don't necessarily want like a bunch of people who aren't your close family in your home, like, you know, helping like clean your house. I don't know. For me, that's not something that I would like. My family, yes, but people who are our friends, um, I would prefer things like bringing meals. That's a really big deal. I had my mom there, but I didn't want my mom spending all of her time cooking for me. I would prefer her to help me with the baby, you know, and help with laundry. Yeah, (laughs) laundry. (laughs) Laundry. It was nice to have people that brought meals for not just me, but for my parents that were there helping me. That was one less thing that they had to worry about, and we could really focus on them helping with the baby so that I could sleep or run an errand if I needed to, that kind of thing. So I meals, I think, is key something that people did for me that I really appreciated um was that they would just bring me a bag full of paper goods paper plates plastic forks whatever so that we didn't have to do dishes so that was one thing like you know or taking my kids taking my older kids for a play date for a few hours so I could just be alone with the baby and then just like checking in texting and just being like hey how are you doing been thinking about you hope are you getting sleep whatever you know you can just check in and let them know that you're thinking about them and I think that's really helpful you know I will say one thing and this is really funny because normally I think this would be something that would really weird me out but I had a friend who knew that I was struggling with nursing and she had a baby just a few months older than my baby and she said I struggled with nursing too, but we're in a rhythm now. Can I come show you the techniques that I've learned to help? And we went into the baby's nursery and she nursed her baby and she showed me what she did to help. And for some reason it wasn't weird. (laughs) Like, and it wasn't even someone who at the time I knew very well. We know each other a lot better now and she's a great friend. Um, But I really appreciated her reaching out and saying like, as a fellow new mom. She was another mom who was a little older. She had had a baby years ago and then got remarried and had another baby with her second husband. And so she was kind of in in it with me as an older mom. And it anyway, it was just really touching that she reached out and I could have, you know, just, just the fact that she cared, that was, that made a big difference. Uh, All of those things uh, are great. And also for me, um, you know, I didn't have my mom there and so my friends did step in and they you know especially during the first couple weeks at home while I was still establishing a routine with with my baby and you know in our household um, they would like help with the other kids as far as 
picking them up from school or, you know, taking them somewhere that they needed to be and also would run errands and even, you know, do some grocery shopping for me, um, which was so helpful because my husband was also um, traveled a lot and um, couldn't always be there to help. And so they, um, they were, I have been blessed with wonderful friends my whole life and I'm just so thinking of them and being so grateful for them right now. I know. I remember. I remember going out to Wendy's with Karen. With Karen, yes. <laughs> she loved Wendy's. She did. <laughs> so, what challenged you the most mentally? Um, I never experienced depression or anxiety before having kids, and didn't really experience it with my first two pregnancies. But with my third pregnancy. I experienced some postpartum anxiety and that was very foreign to me and it was hard for me to recognize. So I felt very like out of control emotionally. I, I didn't, I felt like I needed help, but I didn't know why or how I didn't know how anyone could help me. And I didn't know why I was feeling that way. And so I remember, um, finally one day I was just sitting in my husband's office and I was just like sobbing and he was just like, how can I help you? And I was like, honestly, I feel like I need help, but I don't know how. And he was like, well, I understand that feeling. And he was like, I think you're having some anxiety. And then that was kind of when I realized that I was experiencing a little bit of postpartum anxiety. And it wasn't, I think sometimes people define it as like, you're anxious about your baby and you're, you're anxious about, am I going to hurt my baby or, but it was really like, I just felt anxious, but I didn't even really couldn't pinpoint it. And so I think it was really like Katie had mentioned before, like so important to be, to express how I was feeling in any way that I could so that somebody could at least help me recognize what was going on with me. And it didn't last for a very long time, but it definitely was there and I recognized it and so I think that that's something to watch out for. Like just because you didn't experience it in one pregnancy, it might happen in another one after another one. I think, well, I want to say two things. First of all, I knew that I was prone to mental illness because I have OCD and anxiety already. And so going into my pregnancy, it was really important to talk to my psychiatrist about medication and what was safe to take through my pregnancy and also through postpartum. So I was very religious about taking my medication and I know that that carried me through some very difficult times. And for me, that was critical. Um, so I'm really grateful that I did that because I can't imagine what the experience would have been like otherwise for me personally. But also I think one of the things I dealt with mentally that was hard was feeling guilty about the fact that I had this beautiful baby and yet I was still feeling trapped sometimes. Trapped because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know if I was gonna be good at being a mom. I just, I struggled with some baby blues for sure. And then I felt like I should be grateful. And so I felt guilty for the feelings of discouragement and despair and loneliness and feeling stuck. And I think that was hard instead of just allowing myself to feel and then move forward. So my first, uh, my oldest child was born over 40 years ago and my youngest child, Anna was born 27 years ago. And during that time, 
mental health issues were not discussed. Thus, they were sometimes not recognized as what they were. And so totally different times now where um, mental health is out there and it's discussed and there are treatment paths and that you know that were much are much more available than they were then. And so of course looking back now, I know I had anxiety. Um, that's something that runs in my family genes and uh, I have children who have it and I you know when you have a child you give your heart permission to walk outside your body and so I felt very vulnerable and that it did kick up my anxiety and um, I was worried about this safety of the each of these babies and that they would be healthy and when they would not be feeling well you know it was just really kick up my anxiety and I I had to um, because it wasn't it was kind of taboo to discuss it or to even admit that you had it I leaned on my husband a lot who was very calm and very supportive and I would go to him and discuss and say I'm just really worried about this and he would you know you know talk to me very calmly and give me his input and I also relied on a higher power I I prayed a lot and and I um, and depended on friends a lot too for help and that helped me get through. I did not take medication. I, you know, didn't really understand that I needed it. It's when you said that about your, your heart walking outside your body and feeling vulnerable, that was probably one of the most shocking things to me. After Rowan was born, he had a couple complications that required him to stay in the hospital for a week after he was born. And there was one situation where his heart rate dropped in the middle of the night and they whisked him away out of my room. And I, have never been so terrified in my life. And I remember sitting there with him, holding him afterwards and just sobbing and thinking, the fact that I allowed this little love to come into my life means that I have now opened myself up for pain like I've never experienced before. And that was a terrifying concept, but also a beautiful concept at the same time, because you open your heart up to this incredible amount of love. But that comes along with it a lot of fear and insecurity and anxiety too. Okay, what's the funniest thing that happened to you during postpartum? Do you have any funny sleep deprivation or brain fog stories that you can share? Um, okay, I just remember a funny like nursing story. So I just, with my first baby, I felt like I had a really strong letdown and I was, my mother-in-law was in the nursery with me and I was nursing Scotty and I had like a letdown and whenever I would have that happen, he would kind of like choke because it was like coming out so fast. So he came off of my boob and my <laughs> boob sprayed milk all the way across the room and I panicked and just was like, oh my gosh. And it, my boob was just spraying milk and my mother-in-law was like, just quickly grabbed a burp cloth and stuck it on my boob. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank you. I just, I like panicked and didn't know what to do. And it was just like, it was shooting straight out, like across the room. And that would happen. I mean, it happened more than one time, but it was just funny my, that my mother-in-law was in there and she was, she came to the rescue because I, it would like spray him in the face or it would just, <laughs> poor kid. And then we had some other funny ones. Like I would 
I, Jer would take the night shift and change the boys' diapers, and I would wake up, and one time I unzipped Scotty's onesie, and the, I'm pretty sure it was the dirty diaper was still, like, inside his pajamas <laughs> with the clean diaper on, <laughs> and there were other funny things that would be left inside his onesies his like pjs because we're just so tired and like changing a diaper in the dark and so those were our funny ones i just remember talking to you guys on marco polo and changing rowan's diaper and all of a sudden getting sprayed and of course i had those little pptps but i never used them when it counted ever and so and then he you know he peed on me and i was like right and then i quickly like you know covered it covered him up with the diaper and then the minute that I opened the diaper up again to finish peed all over again and you know I only had little sisters I had an older brother but two little sisters and so I never had really experienced what it's like to change a little boy's diaper and it was like I felt like he caught me off guard so many times and I kept thinking I should have learned from that this is a rookie mistake well I I mean kind of going along with that um you know my my first baby was a boy my and my only boy and uh, I mentioned that you know my mother was not able to be with me uh, and but my dad kind of stepped up to the plate and this man had never changed a diaper in his life oh gosh because my mom did it all you know in those days we're talking about many 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 years ago now and so he had never changed a diaper and so he was helping me with Joe and one day and I didn't happen to be around and so he decided he was going to change his diaper and he you know opened the diaper up and just got sprayed right in the face <laughs> oh. and he said he thought to himself well what am I going to do now <laughs> this, I mean here this uh, this father of mine you know was trying to a step in to help. Yeah, you know, yeah. yes a very proper Englishman yeah. And, uh, he, but he got through it and he, you know, he did step in and help me because as I, I mentioned earlier, my husband traveled a lot. And when Joe was about six weeks old, he left for two, a couple of months, uh, or six weeks, actually, it was a six week training thing that he had to do. And so my dad helped me. So, <laughs> but there were some fun, fun and funny experiences along with that. So, in summary, what advice would you give to other women before birth, just kind of in a, a wrapped up little package? I think one thing that we didn't touch upon that I think is really important to discuss is your body and how it changes mm -hmm. and how hard that can be to realize that the body that you had before the baby is no longer <laughs> and yes you can definitely your body does bounce back in a miraculous way that seems crazy for what it's been through but there are some things to mourn there that there will be a mourning process of things in your life that are going to be different from that point forward after having the baby and so I think it's important to just work a little bit on body acceptance and appreciating the power of your body and what it does for you and expecting that it's going to take some time. I've been, I've been reading the book more than a body and how we are so, as women are so demanding of ourselves 
And postpartum is one of those times when we start putting that on ourselves. Like, mm -hmm. oh, you now I look terrible and I'm fat. I'm, you know, I'm never going to go back to the way I was. And I just think we need to be kind and patient with ourselves and also not expect perfection. You know, we go from there and we work on being healthy and strong and you know, being a good parent to, you know, our children, or to our baby, especially, you know, focus on loving our little baby and not worrying about how we're going to bounce back as far as our weight. And that's the thing, your baby loves you as you are. Yeah. Every single pound of you, every single inch of you, your baby loves you. And that is an amazing thing. So the first thing that I wanted to say is, I, this is what I always say, and I say it to my clients that I coach, I just, in regards to your body and making changes or changes that have happened to your body, you want to come from a place of love and gratitude, not shame or embarrassment. And so I think sometimes we go straight to that, like, oh my gosh, I still look six months pregnant, or I still da-da-da, but you want to change, change the vocabulary, like wow, my body did so much in these nine months. I can't believe I grew a baby. I'm so grateful I was able to do that. I'm so grateful that I can move my body. I'm so grateful that I can still, you know, like get up and take care of my baby. You know, like just change the way that you speak to yourself. And then still it's okay to take care of yourself and and be healthy and like accept yourself where you are at and then take it one day at a time and one step at a time like I'm so grateful for my body where it is now and I can't wait to like continue to treat it well so that it can keep functioning for me the way that I want it to so I think that um like in my my three different postpartum journeys were so different in my physical health and so I think that's why like my mindset has shifted a lot because I focused a lot more on taking care of my body more because I wanted to like honor what it could do and what I could do in the future and like just be stronger. Don't think about what's ahead like oh wow I have all this stuff I need to do to get back to X whatever that is for you. Just say okay today. I'm going to keep my baby alive <laughs> tomorrow. Maybe I'm going to take a shower, you know, and then just take it, you know, the next hour, the next 10 minutes, whatever you have to do, but just don't try to think so far in the future. Like, this is where I want to be in three months. Like just think about what's happening today or tomorrow. And I mean, just me being such a big advocate for talking about, mental health and that kind of thing. I think it's just really important to talk about it uh, with other women, talk about your experience, ask other women about their experience, be open about it and help women understand that it is okay to feel lost and it is okay to feel confused. And it's okay to sometimes feel like, what the heck did I just do? You know, it's okay to sometimes feel that way. And those feelings don't last. And that's another really important thing to remember is that those hard moments are not forever. You actually, both of you said things that I was thinking. It's, you know, the, the postpartum period does have challenges and you are dealing with a lot at once. And you just, like both Katie and Christina said, take one day at a time, even one hour at a time. 
and find, you know, try to find the beauty in those days and minutes and hours because there will always be something. I mean, when your baby first smiles at you and, and there will be many of those and they will help you get through uh, the difficult times. You get through it and it, and then the reward that you have is something that's with you forever and there's nothing that can take the place of that, nothing. The goal of Mental Illness in Me is to normalize the mental health conversation and help those who suffer feel less alone. Your support is critical to raise awareness and help as many people as possible. If this podcast resonates with you, please follow our Instagram account, Mental Illness in Me KT, our Facebook page, Mental Illness in Me, or leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. If you are interested in sharing your story, please email mentalillnessandmekt at gmail.com.